Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Thursday, March the 8th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, as free agency approaches, there is an update on the Jarvis Landry front once again. We will get into that, but the big get on today's show is my guest that will be joining us to talk about the NFL draft, the scouting combine as it all pertains to the Miami Dolphins. But first, before any of that, you guys know the drill by now. I have to remind you to go and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL for all my GIFs and film cutups on there every single day, as well as the show at Locked On Fins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one rated site on the Locked On Network. And of course, the other Locked On Sports podcasts like the Locked On NFL podcast and Locked On Heat podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and get it. That's another Miami Dolphins. And it is first down on the show here. We're going to bring my guest on here in just one second, but we need to hammer out yet another couple of news items involving Jarvis Landry. A report from ProFootballTalk.com states that while Jarvis Landry hasn't officially signed his franchise tender just yet, he has in fact accepted it, meaning the Dolphins can now trade him. And it sounds like Landry and his agent may have misevaluated the market a tad, so to speak. Look, the number he was asking for was always pure insanity. There's a lot of venom directed at the Dolphins' brass for letting it get to this point in terms of the negotiations, but you have to wonder how much his astronomical and overinflated demands drove that decision for the Dolphins' management positions. The Dolphins aren't afraid to pay people. They have dished out plenty of bad contracts all the time, and as bad as that is to say, you don't have to compound that by paying Landry a bunch of more money and making that mistake even more. So anything more than like 11 or $12 million a year is even too much for me, but that's about where I would want to be in terms of finding some even ground, some even footing with Jarvis Landry and the Miami Dolphins. Personally, I think he's right around the Kenny Stills contract in terms of his worth, and I'd be more than happy to pay him that. But here we are. It sounds like he's going to be traded. Expect a ton of roster moves from Miami in the coming days. The Dolphins are currently $7 million give or take, over the salary cap. And that's before the Robert Quinn trade becomes official on Wednesday, March the 14th, which would then put the Dolphins around $19 million over the salary cap. Now you can get down on that by cutting off Julius Thomas and Lawrence Timmons are the obvious given ones. And then Mike Pouncey, a little bit of ambiguity there in terms of what will happen with him and his future with the team. But you could save $9 million by removing him as well and a declining player at center that is not always available. So there are still some options there. But removing Landry gives you the most freedom of any of them, obviously clearing $16 million off the books and gives you the freedom to not only just be below the cap by the league mandated date, but it also gives you the opportunity to go ahead and actually sign some players to finally upgrade some spots on this football team. It should be a fun next week to 10 days or so. But let's not waste any more time and go ahead and get the guest on the show today. We are going to talk draft with Matt Williamson here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Linkfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. And I am joined now by the host of Locked On Network's flagship football program. And in addition to hosting the Locked On NFL podcast, he was a scout at the University of Pittsburgh as well as the University of Akron. He was with the Cleveland Browns and formerly with ESPN. Now you can find his work on NDT Scouting as well as Fansided. He is Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL on Twitter. Matt, thanks for joining me today. 
Absolutely, man. I mean, we made this happen pretty quick. I forget what his name was, but someone on Twitter said, you and Travis need to get together and do a joint show. And I'm like, I'm in. You're in. Let's do it. And I did one similar earlier in the week with Locked on Bears. And so let's talk Finns. Oh, good deal, man. I've been asked, I think, two or three times now to have you on. So I'm glad we finally made it work. And it happened. uh, Our schedule just lined up perfectly. So let's go ahead and get into it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. And as I told you off the air, and the guests are well aware of this, uh, or my listeners are well aware of this, I should say, I'm a bit behind on the college ca- uh, scouting aspect of the offseason. I've essentially been locked in my lab up here in my house uh, with Game Pass and Excel sheets doing some self-scouting on the Dolphins, identifying team needs and that type of thing. So luckily we have people that, like you that we can bring on to do the heavy lifting on the draft front. So I'd love to get your thoughts on what you'd like to see the Dolphins do on draft day from pick 11 and throughout the positions of need uh, in the end of April. So does that sound good for you? Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk a couple prospects. Um, I'm actually much more pro than college, but I just got back from the combine and I'm digging in pretty heavy with my college stuff too. And I can certainly talk about the guys at the top of the draft. Well, that's, that's ex- excellent to hear. So let's go ahead and get into that. But first, before I do that, Matt, I want to ask you just kind of a quick primer here. I mean, Adam Gaze, you go from almost a coach of the year candidate one year to a guy that half the fan base wants fired now all of a sudden, as, as insane as that sounds. But he's in year he's in year three now. He's 32 and 32, 32 and 33 if you count the postseason. And I just want to get a quick opinion from you on how you view Adam Gaze as well as the Dolphins roster as a whole. Yeah, I really liked the hiring. You know, when they, when they brought him over from Chicago, I really think that he has shown, at least pre-Miami, to maximize the quarterback position. And I kind of give an incomplete grade, to be honest with you. And I'm not you know, dancing around your, your question, but I'd love to see him and Tannehill play 25 games in a row together. You know, I mean, to throw Cutler in there the way they did, off the street, out of the booth, and frankly, I thought he played really poorly, and his supporting cast didn't help, but... I don't think that's a fair way to judge the head coach because the head coach was brought in for a specific reason, really, in my opinion, was save Tannehill, develop quarterback. Well, the guy's never on the field. Yeah, exactly. He hasn't been. And when Ryan Tannehill has been on the field, Adam Gates has a 62 winning percentage or a 620, however you want to phrase that. And without him, he's below 500. So it kind of tells you, you know, anytime a team loses a starting quarterback, it's going to be tough. So, I mean, here we are, Tannehill going into the year with the banged-up knee, obviously. That's a, still a question mark. But let's go ahead and get into the juicy stuff, a thing that everybody wants to talk about, and it is the quarterbacks. There is more smoke than I care to even remember revolving around the Dolphins right now regarding Baker Mayfield, possibly even Josh Rosen or Josh Allen. So my question for you, Matt, is, is this just smoke and mirrors? And if not, who is the guy you think the Dolphins should go after? And would he be a major upgrade over Ryan Tannehill? That's a good question, because... This is an odd team, and maybe even before we get into that, one thing I really wanted to bring up with you, and this even stems from the Quinn trade, more than any team in the league, I, well, less than any team in the league, I understand how Miami uses their money. I, I mean, to me, <laughs> that, that, you know, like, I really like Robert Quinn, but they have a lot of needs, and defensive line really isn't one of them, yeah. and he's expensive, you know, like, that's just one example, but I just went to spot track and I pulled up their cap hits for this year. And it's rather unbelievable of the number of guys that eat up so much cap. And by no means, if you add those players up, 
are you getting your money's worth? And you've probably done this. I apologize. I don't know if you have or not. But I want my listeners to hear this. These are the cap hits starting from top to bottom on this team right now. And I want all you guys out there listening to say, are they worth that? Nama Kong Su, $26 million. Now, I don't blame that. I mean, you knew that was coming. He's a tremendous player. Tannehill, over $19 million. Again, I don't have a problem with that. Quarterbacks cost money. You were, we were about to talk Tannehill. I'm a Tannehill fan. I'm a believer. Landry right now is almost $16 million. Rashad Jones is almost $12 million. A good player. Robert Quinn, who they just added, is right around 11 and a half. So just the, those five guys are a crazy amount. Andre Branch, $10 million. Kenny Stills, just under $10 million. Kiko Alonso, nine-ish. Juwan James, nine-ish. Mike Pouncey, nine-ish. Cameron Wake, 8.6. Lawrence Timmons, 8.2. Julius Thomas, 6.8. Who's going to get cut? So I just rattled off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen players. And of that group, I would say three or four of them are really good at what they do, but they're eating up a crazy amount of cap space with those 13 guys. It's really pretty crazy when you consider the fact that they will go out and spend money on these guys that, like for instance, last year, Kiko and Andre Branch both had one year in Miami. They both played okay. And then they go out and they get these massive contract extensions that nobody else would have given them. And then you have obviously a guy like Jarvis Landry who's done the right things for four years. He's been ultra productive, hasn't missed a game. He said all the right things and they won't pay him. So that's why the Dolphins fans are pretty frustrated in terms of what the roster building is. And like you said, there is no real rhyme or reason. And it goes back to Mike Tannenbaum's days with the Jets when he kind of, you know, he got them to two AFC championship games at least, but he buried that team in cap hell. And it seems to be like that's what he's doing here in Miami. But let's go ahead and get into some of those needs for the Dolphins they have this offseason. And the first one that everyone we, we talk about it every time is the offensive line. The Dolphins have had, and I think it's kind of an NFL epidemic at this point too. I mean, most offensive lines are not very good, but the Dolphins have been lacking on the interior offensive line for as long as I can remember. And so who are some of the guys that you would see as fits for the Dolphins in a zone-based scheme to kind of free things up for Kenyon Drake? Well, I've been critical of this team for a while because as much as any team in the league, they've ignored the guard position. And I get that. You know, like we just rattled off two names, James at right tackle, Pouncey at center, that are making a fortune, and Tunsil fell in their lap, and he's got gobs of ability. You would think he'll be your long-term left tackle although he kind of struggled, but I really, I, I would have made that pick too. So I can understand the team building concept of, I want to be strong at center and tackles, but they really ignore the guards. And I will say in their favor, not in their favor, but fortunately for them, this looks like a very deep and strong guard incoming class. And they're not going to get Nelson but I don't, and I don't think there's another guy to consider in the first round. But I think you can find it if you're actually going to spend the pick on a guard in the second and third round. I mean, I think that there's some good players there. You know, James Daniels comes to mind. He's more of a center. Um, I'm, I'm just pulling up a list here so I don't miss anybody. Um, where am I at here? Austin Corbett, maybe the second, third round. Braden Smith from Auburn. It is a very good interior offensive line class. 
But were they are they going to pull the trigger, or are they just going to continue to ignore it? History's kind of showed us they're going to continue to ignore it. Yeah, and Adam Gase talks about the fact that the ball comes out in two and a half seconds in this league, and it's part of his mantra to not have those guys be invested in terms of high resources at those positions. So I hope it changes. It hasn't yet, but we'll see if it does. But let's go on to the outside part of the offensive line and more of the skill players and talk about tight ends. On the Dolphins, you mentioned some bad contracts the Dolphins had signed some players to. And two of the guys that are on that list or that were on that list are tight ends. Julius Thomas was a train wreck. I hated that signing from the day it happened. And then Jordan Cameron, the same exact thing. Both were major busts, and now you're looking at A.J. Derby and Marquise Gray, the top two tight ends right now, and Gaze loves those three-by-one sets, gets the tight end isolated on the boundary to create those mismatches. So who are some guys that could come in and have an immediate impact for the Dolphins there? Yeah, and that's a great question, and I'm going to get to it in one second because I read a stat today, and I just looked it up because I just want to tell your listeners this. When when we go back to the guard-slash-offensive line situation, and I'm just going to read it verbatim real quick. Miami averaged 1.7 yards before contact yep. <laughs> per rush last season. The lowest in the NFL since the 2012 Steelers. I mean, that says a lot. I you mean, can, you're asking your running backs to do too much. And you can always tie back. You look at the last two years, Jay Ajayi and Kenyon Drake are both near the tops of the league in yards after contact, and that's exactly why right there. Yes. Yeah, right, right. Very well said. And you're right. I do think a gay staple that he wants to use and probably as a result has overpaid these guys has taken leaps of faith on guys like Julius Thomas because he does want three-by-one sets. And would they go after a free agent like maybe Trey Burton? You know, he's an athletic move tight end in the Evan Ingram mold. He's not going to give you much as a blocker, but he's a good movement guy. Would their doctor sign off on Tyler Eifert? You know, I mean, there's some tight ends in this draft that are certainly fit the bill. Um, I don't think any are worthy of their first-round pick, but maybe Gashecki from Penn State, who just lit up the combine, is there in the second round. Hayden Hurst. I really like Dallas Goddard from South Dakota State. I don't think he'll be there in the second round. Ian Thomas is getting a lot of buzz right now, too, from Indiana. Really lit up the combine. Good spark guy. So there, w- there should be options. Mark Andrews is another from Oklahoma. Um, you mentioned it, though. I mean— it's an instrument. It's an instrumental part of their their team that just really has not been there. And if you're going to move away from Landry, which seems like a foregone conclusion, and that'll help the receiver situation too. And you talked about Tannehill and being a fan off the top of the show, and I'm not used to hearing that response because I'm usually fighting uphill or upstream against that that uh, conversation there because I'm a big Tannehill fan. I think he's got a lot of good trades you can win with in this league. And one of the things that he does as well as anybody, and if you go over his passer rating on play action passing over the, the course of his career, his passer rating is higher than Russell Wilson's and Aaron Rodgers on play action. So getting those tight ends, those move tight ends that can kind of come across the formation on that play action naked boot, that's kind of what I want to see. And it kind of plays into what could happen in terms of a philosophy, a philosophy shift, easy for me to say, in terms of getting out away from Landry and going to more tight end sets. Could you see the Dolphins doing that, or is it going to be more of the same with the uh, the 11 personnel? No, I think that's a good good way of looking at it, and maybe that can help your offensive line a little bit as well, get a little bit more of a run threat. Maybe they have they help that stat that I just mentioned with the running game. Um, and I like the play action comments you made too, because it made me immediately think of Shanahan with Atlanta and then San Francisco, and then certainly McVay with the Rams and, and massaging the quarterback position and making their life 
a lot easier. You know, play action throws, half field reads. Uh, Tannehill's a very good quarterback. Boots and those type of things uh, absolutely needs to be staples of this. Yeah, I could not agree more. That's some invaluable information from Matt Williamson. He's at Williamson NFL on Twitter regarding the Dolphins' offense, which was an unmitigated disaster in 2017. But we still have the defense to get to here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. And once again, we are joined by Matt Williamson of the Locked On NFL podcast at Will- Williamson NFL on Twitter. And Matt, Miami has the third highest paid defensive line in the league. You talked about some of the salaries on that line. And Dominican Sue, Cam Waker, mainstays. They just brought over Robert Quinn from the Rams via a trade. And they have some impressive young defensive tackles in Jordan Phillips, Devon Godshaw, and Vincent Taylor. But there's a major void in terms of a run-stuffing presence on this defensive line. Are there any guys available that you could see fitting this aggressive one-gap style the Dolphins play on defense? Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't see it as big a need as you apparently do. I mean, they have so much invested in their defensive line, and I very much believe that Sue is a superstar. Um, you must be down on Phillips then. I guess I'm flipping this and throwing it your direction. I mean, because that's kind of his gig, isn't it? Yeah, it can be. He's just he's such a flashy player. He comes and goes, and he's in a contract here, so you might be able to get that out of him. And I, I like the pieces they have in terms of depth. I just worry that Will Hayes was really solid last year for about seven games, and then he got mm-hmm. hurt and the run defense fell apart. So I don't see a guy that is really a predominant run-stuffing defensive lineman on this group. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right about that, but in today's NFL – that doesn't bother me so much. Okay. I mean, I'm looking at this defensive line like they're trying to pattern it after the Eagles. You yep. know, like Fletcher Cox is their Sue. You know, they moved on on from Logan because he was kind of a run stuffer, replaced him with Jernigan, who's more of an upfield guy. You're going to bring it in waves. They're going to be really deep. They're going to have versatile guys. Maybe they can kick inside. So I think in today's NFL – if you're going to have a defensive line that's super high priced and, you know, like an Eagles or a Jags or Miami, that if you don't have the nose tackle type, I'm okay with that. You know, that um, being so-so against the run isn't the end of the world, but creating havoc against the pass is what makes the world go round nowadays. Totally fair. And you can also supplement the running game with the two safeties the Dolphins have. You talked about Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald, primarily box-heavy mm-hmm. safeties. Let's go ahead and skip the next category and get into my last one I was going to talk about with you here and talk about the need for a back-end free safety type, a guy that can play some single high as well as the big nickel. Now, Matt, I have a major, major man crush on both Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick, as most people do, but I think both sure. will be gone by pick 11. That's my opinion. Now, there's a guy later in the draft, Jordan Whitehead. He played with Miami's new assistant defensive backs coach in Ronaldo Hill at the University of Pittsburgh where you used to work um, so do you sure. think do you think he has a fit in the in the defense with the Dolphins here and are there some other mid-round level types of guys the Dolphins could target to play that role yeah and what's funny is because I do a lot of work with Steeler Nation radio and um, I want to get the linebackers too with Miami because the two biggest need in Pittsburgh are free safety and speed and athleticism at the linebacker position which is year going down so I've really concentrated on these two spots And I've come to the conclusion that in terms of free agency and the draft, there's much more of a shortage of free safeties than there are strong. You know, that Mm -hmm. it's better to have the need for the bigger guy. Um, There's a guy like Trey Boston in free agency who fits the bill. Um, The Reed kid from Stanford, I really, really like Eric Reed's younger brother. He had a great camp um, or a a great combine and, and 
I don't know that he'll be there in the second round for Miami. Miami, again, kind of picks in an odd spot. Every 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 position you've asked me about, I, mean, I keep saying, well, they don't really have a first round target, yeah. and maybe this dude won't be around in the second in the second round. Um, a name I think to remember is Wake Forest Jesse Bates. He's much more of a free. Um, maybe Armani Watts, Texas A&M. I'm looking at second day free safety types. And I think you're right. I mean, Minka and Derwin are not going to be there. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's not. talk. Let's, let's talk linebackers though for a minute. Yes, please. Uh, please get into it. I mean, for those, I mean, your fans know this. Mine might not, but at least you get Rakuyan McMillan back. Okay. I mean, so somebody liked him enough to use a second round pick on him last year. I think he's more of a run stuffer, which is okay, especially after we just mentioned that yep. the interior, the Dolphins line, isn't great stuffing the run. Um, Timmons is making, and Alonzo are both making far too much money. People around here are hoping you guys cut Timmons, but I think it only saves you like a hundred, like a, a million or so. He had, and he actually I, went I've been saying, when he went. Go ahead, I'm he, sorry. No, go. I'm sorry, Matt. When he went, when he went AWOL for our first game, he wasn't around right. for the Chargers game. Uh, that actually voided the guarantee in his contract, so they can cut him scot free. Oh, okay. And I would imagine they will. Right? They're going I mean, to, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Because Steeler fans want to pick him up. And of course. I keep saying, <laughs> and I keep saying, you can do better than that. I mean, like, he doesn't help your speed problem. He's not going to, you know, be a shizier replacement. But this is the one spot where maybe the first-round pick could be that linebacker. You know, if it's Tremaine Edmonds or Roquan Smith. And sometimes those guys fall a little. I mean, those guys have a lot of buzz around them. But, man, that would be a nice upgrade. Do you view either of those guys or both of them as three down linebackers? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, because that's what the Dolphins absolutely. need because they they have been getting killed in those matchup problems. You talked about Kiko Alonso. I mean, he just he got embarrassed so many times by like Christian McCaffrey or Travis Kelsey or whoever it was that he was tasked to cover. Oh. And they have him doing these like ten to twelve yard spot drops in the zone defense that just makes no sense to me. So I, I I would love to get a guy that can come in and replace him and, and do his job for him. And, and I, another stat that I just ran across today too was. No team allowed more tight end receptions than the Dolphins last year. You can probably say that for the last 10 years or so going back. Right? <laughs> right. It's not uncommon, right. That seems Good to be point. the case. But anyway, hey, I really appreciate it. Again, he is Matt Williamson, former scout in the pros as well as college and at ESPN, currently with NDT Scouting and Fansided. He is the host of the Locked On NFL podcast at Williamson NFL. Matt, thanks again so much for doing it. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, this was a blast. I'm glad we got this done. Absolutely. And once again, a big thanks to Matt Williamson from the Locked On NFL podcast for joining us. That's going to do it for today's podcast, guys. We will get back to the Twitter mailbag tomorrow. I promise it's going to be on tomorrow's episode. I tweeted today, but we had to go ahead and bump it to get the guest on, so I do apologize for that. But we will have it on tomorrow, and that will do it for tonight's show. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review, and check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts like Matt's Locked On NFL podcast and the Locked On Heat podcast for the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins, and follow our flagship program on Twitter and Facebook at, NF- at Locked On NFL, as well as their Facebook page. And of course, last but not least, LockedOnDolphins.com for all your daily written Dolphins content needs. The number one in the network. Be back tomorrow with another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.